Thanks to that piece of <laughs> lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast. Pass us. <laughs> All right, everyone. New York's finest retired unfiltered podcast. I'm Eric Dim, your most complained cop, NYPD. And along with me is the founder and the co-host of the podcast, John McCarry, retired lieutenant, unvaccinated. How you doing, my brother? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. Uh, we just had an article spark off about a couple of tweets that we put out about uh, a TikTok cop, as I like to call it. It's titled this episode, TikTok Cops. And I just think we should get into that. Just talk about it. You know, what happened? What we think about it? Does it affect public safety? Is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? What should happen? Should cops be on TikTok and Instagram and be social media influencers while they're on duty? Well, listen, I'm all for having a good time and having fun. I mean, John, when you and I got on the job in comparison to that, it was fun. I mean, let's be honest. We had a good time. And if they had social media actually showing some of the stuff we did back then, we'd probably get some flack for it too. I mean, we were throwing buckets of water on each other. I remember there was a time, <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, we had the, I'll never forget, we had the two biggest cops in my command. I don't wanna, I don't wanna give their names out. We had the two biggest guys, and I'll never forget, they were in Stapleton housing. And if they ever get a chance to, to watch this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And they had the RMP part, and I'll never forget. I'm like, all right, listen, we get these guys. We're gonna put, do a good prank on them. We had a football. So there were two housing cops. So we went to the pet store and we bought two pinkies, two little, if anybody knows, two little mice. And we got the key to their RMP, which everybody, you know, the cops know what RMP is. But for my, for my viewers, an armed police officer, it's a radio motor patrol car. So we got the key to the car. We opened it up and we put the two little pinky, pinkies on the front seat. And then we went about a block away. We had binoculars and we were watching. So they got down from their vertical or interior, whatever they call it right now, which is going up and down the building and, and surveying the building. And they wouldn't go into the car. I'll never forget. They managed to get a tr transported back to the precinct because they wouldn't go inside the car. So I, ended up, I had to go to the, the RMP, the patrol car myself, and I drove it back with these two little uh, mice running around the car. So I'm all for having a good time. We actually had – we did the same exact thing uh <laughs> Partner's boots got filled up with water right before West Indian, right before Juve, Labor Day details. So you had to stand there the whole 16 hours because <laughs> they were filled up to the top. So we put mice in the in the other the other team's prime car. I was scared of mice. Same thing. Um, no, listen, I, I had a ton of fun at work. I have no problem with anybody having fun at work. I actually, you know, I put out the video just because it was already viral. I wouldn't have put it out if it didn't if it wasn't out already so uh because I, I really i'm my goal is never to get anybody in trouble unless it's unless it's something egregious i mean if it's something that's a, a huge integrity issue you know i'll put it out like uh get locked up i could care less about you you know what i mean you're not a cop anyway you don't deserve to be in public safety but this was in jest you know the girl's having a good time um you know she's doing choreographed TikTok videos i mean <laughs> I, you know, listen, I, I, I don't think that she should feel comfortable doing it. I think, you know, I think that it's crazy to be in uniform and feel comfortable to put yourself out there in the world on social media. You know, like I always say, we're celebrities with the muscle without the money, you know, like whatever you do is going to be front page paper. So like, you got to be very cognizant of it, but it was a different time, Eric, when we were messing around, it was, 
we would, if somebody would have picked up a phone to videotape, it would have been frowned upon. You would have been out. You would have been ousted. You would have been like, absolutely not. You're not sending that to your girlfriend, to your friend. You're not putting that on social media. You're not putting that out there in the world because it is unbecoming of a professional. Well, I, I will say this. So I'm not trying to say that we were better or we were more correct than this girl. But I will say it was different, right? So the pranks that we played back then, I mean, even back then, we, we, we would buy crickets. I, I personally bought crickets, and I would put them in, in, in patrol cars for people, and they would get in and, and bug out, and they would have to drive the car anyway. But the pranks that we had, it was quick and over, and they were about building morale. And it's and I do believe that we had – it was better for mental health because we had outlets. We, we, we had a good time together, but it was about the morale of, of, the, of the unit, the organization, which ultimately makes us better cops because our mental health is better. But what I see with these TikTok videos, it's not about morale. It's about themselves. And it's about showing off. And, and what I find extremely problematic with this particular video is how much time did this girl, this rookie police officer, right? I assume she's a rookie. I don't know how much time she has. But how much time did she spend on her tour to choreograph this TikTok video? It wasn't just a measly prank. You know, the pranks that we had, they were quick and over. But this probably took the latter part of her actual tour where she wasn't actually doing police work. She spent her time doing this actual choreographed video. She probably had to do take after take, you know, action, do it, do it again. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think, yeah, like, again, uh, so not just to pick on her. I'm going to play the video in a second. I'll, I'll, there's actually two of them. There's actually even more than that, but I'm not, I'm only going to put out the two that were, that were over, that were over, <laughs> that went over, but um <laughs> I think there's a lot of this going on. There's a lot of social media influencers on duty making choreographed content. I mean, me and Eric do not edit any of this. You know, uh, Paul Manicone behind the scenes edits some of our videos to throw in, you know, videos or, or news clips that, that are relevant to what we're talking about. But when me and Eric are doing a podcast right now, like we didn't edit this. We just said, all right, we're going to talk about this. Let's go. I hit play. And we're going and we're going to talk about it. There's no, but these Instagram posts are highly edited and there's a ton of cops and with their head buried into a phone, creating content on social media. And honestly, you're building your own platform. It's, it's different than when we were cops. I was notorious for having a second set of keys and stealing people's cars. Like if I caught them out eating or whatever, I would just jack the car, come out, the car's gone. You know, like that's I, that's what we always did. We it was, you know, that's you know, that's was fun to us. Was it right? No. Should we got in trouble for it? Probably, right? You know, did that affect public safety? Yeah, it did. But you know, it was it was always in jest, and it was always and it was it was quick, like you said. It wasn't you know, and when it was time to go to work, we all went to work, and our heads weren't buried in the phone. You know, there were there were. You know, it was it was in, it was done in times when it could be done. And I'm not saying that this she wasn't having a downtime on her post to do it, but to, to spend hours doing this. I agree. I think that th these were done. These were done uh, for a while. I do. I agree. We are. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, clear as day. You, you watch that video. It's it's almost like you watched a, a, a professional choreographed video. And uh, obviously his the other thing that I think is extremely problematic. Right. So we have two videos and we see the same guy that takes part in the video with her. So obviously she knows this guy and she says, she's saying, look, 
this is my post today. Maybe at this time, and we're going to spend so many hours to get this video out. So her mindset is not even on police work, right? Because one, she has to wait for this guy, figure out what's the proper time to do this. So she's never actually addressing her post. Again, I have no problem. If she made a quick 20-second video, you know, it was just spur of the moment with, let's say, let's say there's a guy. Let me get, just give a fictitious scenario. Let, let's be rhetorical. Let's say there was a guy who did jump the turnstile. And she stops him, and they end up having a great encounter. And she, she you know, she uh, really addresses and educates this person why they shouldn't jump the jump the turnstile. Maybe she befriends some kid, and they do a quick twenty second video, and they laugh about it. And they end up, you know, what? She maybe she's changing this kid's life, and this kid's changing her life because they're having fun. But at the same time, she did her job. I have no problem with that. But someone meets you there to choreograph it, to spend your entire tour. Your mindset is not a police work at all. I couldn't agree with you more. And and although the jumping the turnstile was part of the choreograph thing, I mean, we're out there arresting and summonsing people for it. Is that really the right message of the kind of choreograph that we're going to do? I'm going to play one of the videos now. I'll show you for you guys an audio. Uh, just bear with the music. If you want to see the videos that we're talking about, go to our Twitter at uh, Retired New York Finest, or or just hashtag the Finest Unfiltered on X or whatever they call it now, or Instagram, and also at my own. I I posted it. I reposted it on those as well, and that's just my name. Go there. But here's one of the videos. The the male falls. He comes walking up with clown shoes on. He falls. Supposedly trips over the stairs, and they just go into like a, a dance routine. You know, and that how many takes did they have? You know, well, I mean, they were they were in sync together. So just figure out the the planning and execution. You know what? You know what's funny about these TikTok cops? If they actually put their positive this enthusiasm that they have to police work, they probably be, be actually good cops, right? Because think about the amount of time they spent. Like, all right, listen, you're gonna make these make these emojis, and I'm gonna do it also at the same time, and and you're gonna full. I mean, they had to choreograph this whole. They had to legitimately plan it out you know when i was in the marines we, we used to have something called SMEAX, and it was an acronym for situation mission execution administration logistics command and signal and everything required a plan anytime you, you move in the marine corps you have to have a plan so they had a, an actual planned out video i mean if she could actually use that that positive enthusiasm to police work maybe she could be a cop i don't know yeah and here's the, sec <laughs> here's the second video here's the second video where the male jumps the turnstile and then she comes in dancing. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, it's funny. I, I, I think it's hysterical. I think if she did it one time, I even think she did it multiple times. So an article comes out in the post. They quote me in the post. And all I said is, all right, I think this is getting a little ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but the girl gets transferred. What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you think is an acceptable punishment? If you were a sergeant, if you, you know, what do you, what do you think? You were a police officer. Like, what do you think should have happened? And should happen going forward. I, I don't think she should be transferred. I think, I think, I think honestly, I, bl I blame the leadership on the job because, at the same token, she doesn't really know. I'm going to assume I don't know her, right? But based on evidence, right? That's what we've been hearing from the Democrats, right? Evidence-based policing. But based on the evidence, which is the video, it appears she doesn't know that she's doing something wrong. And at the same token. She's kind of doing what the police department expects her to do. I mean, these commanding officers, they compete with each other to have better Twitter pages who could put out better videos. And even on some of these commanding officers' Twitter pages, 
they've had their cops do little skits and videos. One in particular, I can tell you, there is, uh, I don't know if you have a story. So there was a commanding officer of the 106 precinct. And you want to talk about a, a huge ego. Did you see this? It's gross. I don't know. Oh, you saw it? Yeah, go ahead. I wish I had the video now that you bring it up. But go. Yeah. Oh, man. I wish. But there was, a, there was a kid. He gets promoted. He's assigned to the 106 precinct. And they had this whole skit with what NCO cop and community affairs talking about, wow, you know who's coming to the command? And the next thing you know, it's like, they had him coming with like this red carpet, like he was a king and everybody salutes him. It was the most ridiculous thing. So at the same token, I can't believe this cop. She thinks that's what she's supposed to do. I mean, we had a couple of cops and the commanding officer a few years ago, if you remember the seventh precinct, put out a rap video about being NCOs. So in her defense, She's doing what the job is expected to do. So I don't think she should be transferred. Now, if the job actually comes out and says, going forward, this is unacceptable, then we could actually implement what the discipline, discipline should be. So I think a conversation is enough. So, you know, the, the rules are already there. I mean, the rules are already there. You're not supposed to be in uniform. You're not supposed to partake in social media while you're on duty. So the rules are already there. Now, listen, I agree with you. I think that the precedent has been set that it's okay and it's acceptable. There are plenty of rules that get ignored in the NYPD every day. I mean, I mean, there's zero uniformity for an administration that says that they're they're big on uniforms. I saw the khaki pants kids. I saw like 10 of them lined up. Every single one of them had a different variation, something unique on them. They were not uniformed at all. And then And then if you look at cops on the street wearing blues, it's the same thing. They all have unique variations. There's cops in hoodies. There's, I mean, tactically completely unsafe. I'll grab you by the hoodie and swing you around. You know, I don't know how anybody is a cop wearing a hoodie. Um, but, you know, all these different variations of the uniform. So I agree with you. I think the precedent's been set. The weak appointed management have let a lot of things go. So I think every now and then rules need to be enforced as you see trends pop up with the police officers. I think, honestly, she deserved a warning and admonish, a sit down and talk to. This is not what you do on duty. And then if she disobeyed that, then I would seek a harsher punishment, maybe a transfer, maybe, uh, you know, vacation days taken, stuff like that. I think the transfer was kind of harsh. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's a past history there or there's not. Um, and then I think the, the job should set the precedent, not just for her immediately put down that you will not be creating content while you are on duty. You will not be sharing posts while you are on duty. This is what you are paid to do. You will be pro actively proactive. You will proactively being partaking in public safety. And again, we didn't hear any of that. They just transfer this girl, pretend like nothing's going on. And yet I, I could turn on my Instagram right now and I will see cops in uniform doing stupid funny skits that are like it's like okay it's, it might be funny it might be cute but what but that's not helping anybody that's not what you're getting paid to do i i personally think it's stupid i do I, I can't agree with you more i i think the whole thing is stupid again like i said when i first got on the job you know we had a great time we played pranks all the time guys would walk into the precinct would be guys at the rooftop throwing buckets of water you know we would put mayonnaise on people's door handles you know get so they would open the door and it would be slippery we put crickets in cars but these were quick little pranks and it was over and it was about building morale again i think this is about self-serving she puts a video out to for people to see her it's not about her unit her job it's about her i mean she had this guy meet her it wasn't a fellow cop 
that she did a skit with. It was some random guy who did a skit with. Unless he's an off-duty cop, which we don't know about. That could be also. Again, I don't think that she... I, I think a conversation was enough. I think that this punishment was a knee-jerk reaction because it, you know, we've... We've talked about it on social media. The New York Post ended up writing about it. And they think that's the only reason why she was transferred. Again, the leadership on this job never takes responsibility. They don't even deserve the right to be called leaders. They should be called Mr. and Mrs. Because they created this. They should say, well, this video that was put out, why did this cop put this video out? Because we created this environment for them to think this is okay. That's what real leaders do. They take ownership. They take responsibility, but instead they just point to the blame and finger at her. She did not come on this job and say, you know what? I love TikTok and I'm, I'm coming, I'm going to become a cop so I can make TikTok videos. She, I don't know why she became a cop, but she saw that there is a pathway that you could do these things because she see, she has seen other cops do it. Yeah. You know, I was never on social media while I was on the job. I would never do a media event while I was on the job. Uh, I had offers several times and I didn't do it. I, I didn't think it was my place. I'm, I'm working for the city of New York. I'm not going to represent myself in uniform on the city of New York. I don't I don't believe that it's OK. I, I didn't even like my wife to share anything on her social media because I just didn't want it out there in, in the world. Um, and I think that's the pathway and i'm not saying you have first amendment rights as an individual when you're off duty and you want to be a social media influencer you could do it you could even say that you're a member of law enforcement and you're acting on your own behalf i mean there's plenty of people with very successful social media influencers but you never see them do it at work and and you never see them doing it in uniform once in a blue they'll they'll post it while they're at a promotion ceremony which follows the nypd patrol guide and in the past we've had people on social media get disciplined for off-duty things that have nothing to do with on duty and be targeted for that and and you know i just think the lines have been blurred so much that it's just it's this is what's happening and and really like i again like i said this poor girl gets transferred but there's 10 people on social media right now that are in the nypd that are making instagram and tiktok videos and i don't care what the content is i don't care if it's dancing i don't care if you're trying to give someone a mental health tip i don't care what it is if you're not being sanctioned by the nypd to do that you're violating the patrol no, I, absolutely. I can't agree more. So with that being said, uh, you know, like, like reflecting on our careers ourselves, there was pranks and we would build the morale, especially being part of anti-crime. You know, you're in a small unit. You, you become so close. It's like family. I mean, we would play pranks on each other every day in the office and different things like that. You, you, you know, you're laughing right now because you know what kind of pranks that they would play. I mean, you would come to work. There were days, let's be honest, even as a lieutenant, there were days, you know, like, it's my turn. You know, you're just getting abused for the entire day, right? I remember I would always I would always put together the supervisor's parties or the supervisor's dinners. And I was always, you know, famous for picking an expensive place like Ruth Chris or something. It would be expensive dinner. And I would make these guys pay in advance. And I would set it up. They put a picture of me, you know, the wanted posters. And they put my picture in uniform and said I was wanted for grand lawsuit because I stole their money. So, but it was funny, but it was different. It wasn't on social media. It was on downtime. It was in the office. What do you think is acceptable pranks? And what do you think is acceptable as far as doing police work and having fun? Where do you, where do you see the correlation? 
listen, if nobody's getting hurt, you know, that you know, that's that's the main thing today. I think we had a thicker skin. I think we were a completely different generation. I mean, the things that were done to me and the things I did to others, I think that if it came out in the papers, it would be horrific and we'd probably lose our jobs. You know, I'm like and but I you know, but at the end of the day, like I still talk to these people that like my family. You know what I mean? Um, you know, that we did so much dumb things in decompression time um that i don't think are acceptable and i think that if we would have got caught we would have gotten in trouble for it i mean we did did you know and so like i don't think that it's acceptable but i'm not i don't think it's the worst thing in the world either you know what i mean at some point you gotta take some time and have fun and i had fun every day in the police department there were a few days i didn't have fun and there were a few days that were very awful days uh during my career but the days where nothing really bad happened or nothing tragic, I had fun. I always had fun. I joked with the public. I joked with everybody. You know, we, we took my sergeant's phone one time, stole it, and we were texting the other guys on the team and sending them all around and giving them ridiculous orders. And it was the fun, you know, we it was like things like that. And was, but when it was time to do our job, we did our job. When that radio came over, it was, you know, it was totally different. If we, if there was something going on in the command, uh, a pattern or whatever, we chased that pattern. I mean, like I always said, I think that the one thing that I was always successful in my career is I knew what was going on. I always read everything. I always made sure I did that all on my own time. And then when I went out there, if we had a mission that day, I didn't go get coffee. I didn't go sit down in the diner. I didn't mess around. I went and I did that mission. We were looking for somebody. We were looking for burglars. We were in a targeted area when there was that mission that day. And I and and by the way, I don't think that you could do that your entire career for every tour that you're at. I don't think you could stay focused on that mission in the hypervigilance forever. I think there needs to be downtime. I don't know when it is. It shouldn't be sanctioned, but don't put it out there on social media. Keep these phones away, guys. Seriously. There's another thing that I observed about that video that I actually find problematic. So I'm curious, and I want to know if you, if you observed this as, as well. I'm sure you did. She's in transit. Was she on a solo post? No. I mean, I have other videos where there's a there's a partner in the background. But you could tell he wants no part of it. So, you know what I mean? So I think I de I, there's definitely a partner. There's definitely a partner in the background. Like, I'm not partaking in this. And he just doesn't, you know, and he didn't get her in trouble. And I, and I don't blame him for that either. I, I blame him if it happened a million times and they're steady partners, then I blame him. Because sometimes, in a, you know, when you're a partner and I had tons of partners and I didn't uh, I didn't like to stay working with someone solely because I, I felt it got stale. And I just started to, like, hate everything that person did, even though it was nothing. Things would just bother me the way they ordered food, the way they ate um because you just with that person so much it wasn't that i didn't love them or i didn't think they were great people i was just like you're with those people more than anybody but the good thing that i think that we had and we did is that we corrected each other and people always like you know if somebody stepped out of line they were using their phone too much talking to their significant other if they weren't heads up in a situation um we didn't shy away from telling somebody how we felt like yo I'm not getting in trouble for you. You have this kid coming. I don't know who he is. You're choreographing videos. You want to do it once in a blue moon. It's fine. We're not doing this every day. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that did or didn't happen, but that's what needed to happen. She needed to get 
led from her peers, not just her sergeants, you know, not just not just the management, not just the management. You need to lead each other. You need to use your brain. You know, like I said, you guys are celebrities, whether you want to believe it or not. I mean, you're standing out there. Everybody's watching you. You walk in the store. Everybody's watching you. You do anything. You know, people like they're using the bathroom. Those people use the bathroom. I'm like, oh, yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. I go to the bathroom sometimes. I said, if you come and if you come to my house in the morning, I actually put my leg. I put my pants in one leg at a time. You know, it's crazy <laughs> to watch that. I have to go to the bathroom. You know, I like you can come in with me and I could show you how I do it. Um, but that's what it that's what it is being a police officer. All eyes on you. You know, that really reminds me. There was one of my favorite cop shows, which I think is kind of underrated as a, as a great, amazing show. You ever watch Southland? No. Okay. Well, you definitely have to see it. If you have an opportunity, watch Southland. But it's one of the most amazing cop shows I've ever seen. And it's uniformed cops in LAPD, which is great. It actually, actually, it's an actual police police show of cops on patrol. And it's amazing. There's one, one time, the, uh, the main actor, he's online. I think it's like Baskin Robbins or something, buying ice cream. And there's a lady on the line. She's like, you're getting ice cream? He goes, yeah, I'm getting ice cream. You know, like, like yeah, and I'm going to enjoy it, too. It, it, when you get an opportunity, you got to watch it, especially all the That's time. happened to me a thousand times. Or, like, someone walks in and you're eating a slice of pizza, you're starving, and they look at you like, what the hell are you doing? And, like, sometimes there'll be people on the job, like, senior executives, like, looking at you like, what the hell are you doing? And I would literally be like, I'm hungry. Like, I can't eat. I can't sit here in the. I have to go take it in my car and eat like an animal. I can't sit in a pizzeria for two seconds. Like, you know, people are ridiculous. They have unreasonable expectations. Meanwhile, that guy's on duty and he's probably about to have a drink too on top of it. And they're looking at you like, what, what the hell you're doing? Because you're eating a slice of pizza or you're standing there talking to the guys in the pizzeria, eating pizza or waiting for your pizza. It's like, oh, you're a terrible person. It's like, yeah, wow, I use the bathroom, I eat, and guess what? Sometimes I get really tired when I work 16 hours a day, five days a week. Sometimes I really don't look or feel great either. And sometimes I even get sick, you know? Um. <laughs> they, they don't want to it's, – it's funny, right? Because we just attended that CCRB monthly meeting back in September. And what do we hear from the public? They wanted to humanize the cops. They said they want to engage them in conversations – but ironically, most of the people we speak to or hear from, especially when we're on the job, they don't want to see you eat. They don't want to see you congregate and talk. So it's, it's, it's almost like it's like a double-edged sword. It's like, which one do you want? Do you want to humanize the cops or you don't? I mean, you know, they kind of placate and play both sides when it comes to that. So, listen, I think we haven't this enough when it comes to this video. Again, I think that transferring her is, is a little bit much. When the job created this, it just – reflects the big bigger picture which i've been saying and i'm going to say it again every time there's an incident and you know what let me circle back also we just had an interview with edwin raymond and the three of us all agree that every time a cop gets into some type of incident it's the cop that gets the blame the organization itself fails it's a complete epic fail never takes responsibility right daniel pantaleo they fired Daniel Pantaleo and gave him the entire blame. The department didn't say, you know what, we sent him there. We trained them to put people in cuffs. If you don't like that, we'll handle it a different way. Hugh Barry, the job created Hugh Barry. They trained Hugh Barry to shoot someone in possession of bat. Did the job say, you know what, you don't like the optics of this? 
we'll we'll address this and figure out a new training module. No, they blamed Hugh Barrett. And again, this girl, the job created this girl. These Twitter Twitter pages of commanding officers competing with each other and these different videos out there, these TikTok videos, and it's on the 106. And if anybody has a chance to watch the 106 precinct doing it, it's the same thing. But instead, we'll blame this girl. And the leadership never takes responsibility. That's the problem I have. Failed leadership. It's totally mismatched. Oh, a thousand percent. And uh, I heard something from uh, an executive recently that I never heard in my career. And I think that it should go mainstream in the, in the department, you know, and it should for every rank, really, you know, because um, and what he said was he said, never sacrifice your integrity for the sake of getting numbers. And I think that holds true when we're talking crime reporting. Make sure you're accurately reporting crime. I think that holds true when you're enforcing law. Um, and and that and and that's a big thing, right? Like, don't just write the summons to write the summons. Sometimes it is a warrant admonish, like we said with this girl. Don't just transfer her for the sake of you could tell the paper you transfer her. You know what I mean? No. We, I addressed the situation. She was more warned in a mind. She was warned. She's not going to, she's not going to do it again. If she does, there will be confidence. There, there will be a harsher, a stiffer punishment. This was the first level of discipline. And that should be the same thing when we're interacting with the public. And it should be the same thing with crime reporting. Don't sacrifice your integrity for the sake of, of numbers, because I don't care what it is. There is pressure on that job to go out and get summonses. There's pressure on that job to go out and get arrest. There's pressure on that job to not take seven major crimes. And nobody could tell me any different. And, and it's always been and it always will be. But at the end of the day, you swore an oath before your God, whatever religion you are, you swore an oath before God. Or if you're an atheist, you still swore that oath. You still swore that oath. So you you have a moral obligation to fulfill that oath, to not dirty your name up. Because like Eric said, they're all going to turn their back on you. They're all going to turn their back on you. No one's going to. I didn't tell them to do that. I didn't tell them to do that, even though they told you to do that. Nobody told you that you had to take a shot or be fired, right? Nobody coerced you. But if you didn't take it, you were getting fired. But nobody coerced you. Don't worry about it. Um, so, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, for, for the cops that watch this, any of our viewers that are not cops, I recommend that you read a book called Extreme Ownership. It's written by Jocko Wolnick, who's a pretty famous podcaster, former Navy SEAL. And what he talks about is that in an organization, especially one like the police department, which is a paramilitary organization, is leadership at different levels. And in order for it to be effective at every level, the leadership should take ownership and take the blame. And then the you know, if, if I'm, if you and I are both sergeants, and there's a situation, we should say, you know what, we'll take a, we take ownership. How do we fix this? And then the lieutenants should then mirror that and say the same thing and keep going on. We don't hear that in the job. All they do is point fingers and say, you know what, you did wrong. They never said we did wrong. An organization of good leadership is about we and not I. And, and that's what I have to say about that. Right. Great book. Love Jocko Willink. Actually met him. I have a signed copy of Extreme Ownership. I read it. Um. I actually always believed in it. It wasn't something that like really it just it just resonated with me so much because it was just something that I always did. Just take just take responsibility. Don't be a coward. Don't sell the other guy out. Like I'll just give you a dumb story. I'm in the academy and I forget I wear ankle socks. 
I don't wear the high socks that you're required to in the academy. You had to, they had to be three and a half inches, the socks, white socks. I think it's gross. I hate that look at all. I, I wear ankle socks. I wear van socks. I wear them they're underneath my ankle. They don't even look like I'm wearing socks, but that's what I wear. And that's what I always wore, even when I was a kid. And when I'm in the police academy, I'm a young kid. And uh, one morning, I didn't realize that I didn't put on the academy authorized socks. And I'm there with my with the, my regular undercut socks, but it feels totally normal to me. So we're all lined up and uh, Officer Lack was her name. She she wound up going to ESU, but she was like real hardcore, like physical trainer. She was actually awesome. She was like the- I remember her. I loved her, I really did. Everyone hated her, but I loved her because I, I was like, listen, I'm getting paid to work out. This is great. So I don't even know that I don't have those three and a half inch socks on. And she comes up to me. And she's like, recruit. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. And she's like, recruit, why don't you have socks on? And I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? So I look down and I'm like, oh shit, I'm wearing ankle socks. So I just stand up, I salute her, and I'm like, because I'm incompetent, ma'am. And she <laughs> and she literally like doesn't even know what to say. And she's like, You're damn right, you all. Make sure you put the socks on. She leaves. <laughs> But I mean, things like that, like literally, you take you take you 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 take the ammo right off of people. You wind up giving more ammo when you make excuses. I should have woke up in the morning and put those socks on. I didn't. Just a dumb, stupid story. But things like that, when it got even more intense and more real, I didn't point the finger. I didn't do. Oh, it was him. He said that. They told me this. I always took the blame. I always took the blame, even when I shouldn't have took the blame. I took the blame. Yeah, well, that's because you have moral integrity and you're not, you know, I can't say the word on here right now, but you know what I'm saying. You're not a coward. So you're, you're a real man. And, that, and that's what and that's what you're supposed to do. You know, I listen, I, I, I'll never forget. I tell a story, you know, and, and back when I was a kid in high school, I'll never forget me and my cousin, we would get together and once, once in a while. You know, we're really into sports. And I'll never forget one time, me and my cousin, we cut school together. I'll never forget me, him and a bunch of kids. And we're walking somewhere, and somehow, I don't know, my, my uncle used to drive a school bus in, in his retirement. And uh, somehow he saw us all walking, but he never saw my cousin, which is his son, and he saw me. So later on at night, I happened to, you know, I was so close to my cousin. I was actually eating dinner there. And he's like, ah, so where were you today, you know? And I'm like, uh, at school, you know? <laughs> he's like, sure, I saw you walking, you know, at such and such location. I forgot where it was. And I never get to see, I look over at my cousin, I see him making a face, I never said a word. We told him like 20 years later, but I never said anything. But the point is, you know what, that don't, you know, don't be a rat. You know, you take the blame. It is what it is, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just see so much of it today. And it's, it's you know, all, I was a young sergeant. They sent me to, to impact, do impact in the 6-7, right? Lieutenant was there. I'm not going to say his name. Didn't like me. I don't know who the hell this guy is from a hole in the wall. He, I think he thought he knew me. He was giving me the rah-rah speech before. I didn't know. Um, when you're there as a sergeant, you know, it's and now I think they call it something else. I don't think they call it impact anymore. They might still call it impact. I don't know. But it was impact all the time. Going to a high crime area where there's shootings, try to deter shootings by presence, by army presence. So they would just put basically put people on foot posts. But I go there, I'm driving around six, seven. I scratch my guys. Everybody's doing what they're doing. Everybody's out of the car. They want both guys out of the car. 
But I'll tell you right now, I used to say whack it up. As long as one of these are out of the call, one of these in the call, watch each other's back, take breaks. I don't need people standing out there for 12 hours. It's ridiculous. Cold, cold day in, in, in Brooklyn and, in, uh, you know, cold, cold day. And it starts snowing. Now he calls me, a lieutenant. He goes, all right, go around, scratch them one more time for the third time that day. And then tell them that you're going to call them in in five minutes. So I'm like, sounds like a terrible idea. I was like, yeah, no problem. You know, I don't say anything. I'm just like, yeah, no problem. I'm a young sergeant. I go around. I scratch everybody one more time. And I tell them, we're leaving in five minutes. I'm going to let you know. Listen up for the radio. Meet me back at the command. Right? And now what do I think? It's snowing out. I'm like, they're all going to get in the car the minute I pull away. And sure enough, they all get in the car the minute I pull away. I don't know this. But I know it because I would do the same thing. I know myself. You're tired. It's the end of the day. You want to go home. It's snowing. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I think this guy set me up for failure. I think this lieutenant set me up. I'm pretty sure he just set me up. So I'm like, he's going to go back around. But I don't even finish getting around because I was going to go back around again and be like, don't get, don't make sure you're not in that car. Even though I warned them, I'm like, don't get in the car. This lieutenant's got something up his up his thing. I said, don't. Even though I did it, I pull away. And sure enough. So he must have been tailing me, right? Um, I didn't see the tail, but he must have just went around to those posts. Anyway, he calls me. He's like, meet me over here. So I meet him on the corner. He's like, how much time you got to rank? I'm like, a month, right? And he's like, why are you guys all in the car? I'm like, you told me to go around and scratch them. You didn't think they were going to go in the car? You didn't think they were going to go in the car? I was like, I would have went in the car. I was like, he's like, so why don't you say something then? I was like, because it's your idea. What, what do you want me to do? I, I don't care. I said, if it's almost over, then we're almost over. Then we're leaving. He gives me the rah-rah speech. And he, basically, and, he, and, he, and he basically tells me, who should I give the CD to? Should I give them a CD? I said, no, no, no. Give me the CD. Give me the CD. I said, because I'm not giving them a CD. I told them that we're leaving in five minutes. They got in the car. Give me the CD. And 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 he winded up not giving me a CD. He gave me a whole rah-rah speech, really DP, um, you know, asking me if I know him. Like, I don't know you from a hole in the wall. I don't know you from a hole in the wall. I was like, I don't know what your problem is. If you want to give me a CD, give me a CD. If that's going to make you feel better today, but just give me the CD, you know, and, uh, you know, and I just know so many sergeants that I worked with that had more time and rank than me. I just know that they would, uh, don't give me the CD. I'll give them a CD. They went out of the car, you know, and it was ridiculous. And I was like, I was actually standing up for them. And it's just, it's just one of those other things. Like some people just shouldn't be sergeants just because you passed that test. You just should not be there because you're just not capable of telling people no and saving them from themselves. And you're not too capable of pushing back when you have people who are idiots above you. Now, it's funny you say that. You know, definitely before we close out of here, I want I want to say that I used to tell my my personnel, my guys, when they would get promoted, and I would say, let me tell you one of the keys to leadership. There's an art to managing and leading the people below you, but there's also an art to managing and leading the people above you. So you have to know how to how to how to work both. And, and ultimately, I used to say that you know, and I got it from Jocko Wilmick, is that you have to get them, you have to be a team with the people under you and the team, uh, people above you to win, to have a successful unit. So, with that being said, uh, let's get a word from our sponsors. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community, but who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. 
Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE. Got anything? Uh, yeah, no, just guys, just please. Uh, I thank all the support. There's still some T-shirts left at Myers. If you go on Myers.com, if any of you guys want it, I think we go up to 2X large. Um, you know, go there. I think that $27.99, you know, go there, show your support for us. I appreciate all the likes, all the, the messages, everything. Uh, even like we always say, we appreciate the haters too. Anybody, you know, anybody that has an idea for a show, wants to come on, you know, you guys are always welcome. You know, we're trying to get everyone. I know a lot of you guys are, are waiting to get on here. And it's not because we don't love you or we don't want to hear your story. It's 100% not that. There's just only so many hours in the day. Um, you know, me and Eric are both doing a million other things just besides this. Um, and we will get you on. We're starting to move towards uh, uh, me and Eric. And then an interview, me and Eric, an interview, me and Eric, interview. And we're going to start to do a lot of other things. We're going to start coming at you with a lot, lot more content. And we're going to get a lot more is on. So just hang tight. We're looking forward to hearing all your stories and uh, memorializing all your career. Appreciate your support, everybody.